Welcome to our Digital Disruptor series, where we profile companies and innovations that are set to remake and reshape industries, companies, and the economy. We hope you'll enjoy our interviews and always welcome any comments and suggestions. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Momenta podcast. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner at Momenta Partners, and today our guest is Lori Kehoe, who is uh, Managing Director of Consensus in Ireland. And Consensus is a really interesting and unique company uh, that's been doing a lot of innovative work in the uh, in the blockchain and, and crypto markets. Uh, we'll, let, we'll, we'll get into that a little later, but uh, the, you know, the background of this is that um, I had met Laurie through a mutual friend of ours, uh, Kelly Lavallee Hunt, who uh, had recommended that you'd be a fantastic person to talk to. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pleasure. It was a pleasure meeting you and, and thank you very much for joining us. Likewise, Ed, thank you very much. It's great to it's great to be on this with you. Terrific. So, yeah, let's first start with a bit of context. We'd love to hear a bit of your background and understand you know, what what are the really the kind of the formative experiences that you've had that have led you to where you are today. Okay, uh, big question. I'll, I'll try and keep it brief. Um, I started my career actually lecturing at a city college in Dublin called the the National College of Ireland. Um, fortuitously kind of landed uh, landed a teaching assistant job and then my boss got promoted so I picked up hours basically lecturing strategic management in when I was about 23 24 which is which is pretty young but it helped me uh, it helped me surf a lot during the the Christmas break and also during the summer recess um, so I did that for a couple of years and I kind of realized uh, in my second year that hey I really should practice what I preach which was all about strategy about management and so forth so I applied to to join Accenture and was fortunate enough to become their graduate program based out of Dublin um, quickly realized how important technology it was and is to everything that Accenture does uh, in terms of helping their clients get from A to B, whether it's about saving money or helping them generate more revenue. Um, had a really positive experience with Accenture, stayed there for about five and a half years, primarily worked in financial services um, on large scale IT implementation projects, um, kind of doing what Accenture does best and, and learning the ropes, I guess. Um, then I joined Deloitte uh, to help them build their financial services consulting practice here in Dublin as well. Um, I spent about another five years or so there. Um, and I had just accepted a, a partner job with Deloitte in Hong Kong. Um, and consensus came knocking on the door and basically suggested or asked, you know, would I be interested in starting Consensus Ireland and, and building a big team here in Dublin to, to support the EMEA network from a delivery capacity. Um, and I was really torn about that decision and didn't really know what to do. But I, I am using kind of Jeff Bezos's uh, regret minimization framework theory, whereby you picture yourself when you're 80 and you look back in your life and you think about some of the options that you had and what you'd regret more. And so I think um, looking back, if I was to never have given, you know, um, a startup a go and starting a business kind of from one person, um, that's something I would have regretted for the rest of my life. So I, I turned down the job, the partner role with Deloitte in Hong Kong and rolled the dice to, to start consensus here in Ireland. 
No, that's a that's a great uh, great background, and I'd be uh, I think it would be helpful for our listeners as well to to provide an overview of consensus. I, I'm I'm pretty familiar with the uh, the company, which has uh, really an ex, an extensive reach in in terms of its activities. But um, yeah, what what is you know what is the really the kind of the founding DNA principle of consensus? And you, could you could you talk about some of the uh, some of the work and some of the things that consensus is is involved in more broadly? And then would love to get into to your uh, your focus in Ireland specifically. Sure, super, yeah, happy to. So I think um, consensus is a global technology. Uh, company focused on blockchain technology um, and effectively we've now developed a, a suite of products which we um, explain to what our clients uh, explain to our clients what they are what they do how they add value um, our clients see the value and then we help them effectively integrate uh, integrate those products into their business to help them generate revenue or to help them save money or both as the case may be um, so I think consensus has grown has, has grown up and changed over the last four years since it was uh, since it started. Initially, I think it was focused probably more around um, project based work, um, and the company now is laser focused on creating really really top notch products um, as to whether it be blockchain as a service, whether it be smart contract development, um, whether it be the auditing of smart contracts, um, whether it be in the supply chain space um, and so on. We probably have about five or six really, really uh, well-defined products which we are, we're going to market with now, which our clients are using. Um, ultimately, Consensus is uh, Joe Lubin, who is the, the founder of Consensus and one of the co-founders of, of Ethereum. And Consensus is the, is the corporate vehicle um, to help the world understand what Ethereum is and to, as per Joe's vision, is to, to create the, the world computer, if you will. So to uh, create a, a way in which all the, all the world can work, um, I guess, off a shared ledger, um, which will be Ethereum-based. And so that's effectively what consensus consensus was four years ago is, is quite different to what it is today. We also have a um, we have a part of the business that focuses a lot on venturing, so where we make investments in companies. So it's effectively our portfolio company. So we've made investments um, and we still listen to pitches to make further investments. We have a venture fund, a 50 million venture fund that we um, that are businesses that we're really interested in that may not be right in our wheelhouse or sweet spot, but we're really interested in and we'll, we'll make an investment in those. We have a thing called Consensus Academy, which is all around how we uh, basically set up training programs in different parts of the world. So here in Ireland, um, we want a government-backed mandate to basically educate different companies on blockchain and more specifically Ethereum. And then we have a... Uh, what I call kind of a blockchain uh, festival called Ethereal, which is another part of our business, which was just uh, took place in New York last month and is taking place, I believe, in Tel Aviv in September and also in London later in the year. Oh, oh fantastic. So I think what is, would be helpful to, from your perspective is you look at Ethereum. I mean, many many people are, are familiar with, with Ethereum as, as a uh, blockchain that supports you know, Ether or the Ether cryptocurrency, but there are some, some really important innovations that had come out of 
Ethereum, which uh, a, lo- a lot of that has been uh, uh, spearheaded by the, the the young genius founder Vitalik Buterin. Um, but could you talk about some of the really the unique capabilities or the vision uh, that has come out of Ethereum that uh, that really drives the investments and the and the project work that you're working on, and and how that's different from, for instance, Bitcoin, which was really the initial you know, cryptocurrency application that that ran on a public blockchain, you know, how was Ethereum different and how has that vision and those distinctions driven, you know, the unique work that, that you do at Consensus? Sure. So the way I look at this, and I think even the way Vitalik has, and, and Joe explained this is that the Bitcoin blockchain is revolutionary. It is a, is a really, really big deal. And it's, it's Satoshi Nakamoto, him, they, her, whatever, is a genius. Um, But what people start to realize is that it's actually, Bitcoin is, and the Bitcoin blockchain specifically, it's like having the internet, but largely an internet that can only really do one thing. So maybe that's online banking, which is still a very cool thing, but the internet would not be what the internet is today if it could only do one thing. And that's kind of like what the Bitcoin blockchain does. It's really, really good at transferring value or monetary value on a peer-to-peer basis. But developing other applications on top of that is and are quite hard. So Vitalik and a number of other folks, including Joe, got together and developed effectively a programmable blockchain. And that's, that's the genesis and that is the impetus and the reason as to how Ethereum came about and why it's still here today and why it's going to be here for, for many more years to come. So the way it's kind of described is that think of the Bitcoin blockchain almost like you're uh, like a pod. still very cool and serves a very specific purpose and is very amazing. However, um, the way to think about Ethereum is that it's more like your iPhone, uh, basically that it is a device on, on, in which there are many applications that exist and you can basically download many, 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 many more. And that's the that's for me is the key difference between those two. So that's the first part of the question. The second part is to how we use it in, in consensus and what makes it important is that ultimately, you know, what, what, there's some key features that Ethereum has. And I think Ethereum really bring, brought about uh, the birth of the smart contract. Okay, Smart contracts are self-executing contracts when certain criteria are met. If this event happens, trigger this payment. Um, and we as a company have a, a use smart contracts in, in, in 99% of the projects that we work on with our clients. Um, whether that is to create automated workflow, whether that's to create automated payments, whatever it may be. But they are a big signature feature of the Ethereum blockchain and also the work that we do at Consensus. Um, more locally, in terms of kind of projects that we are working on out of Ireland, so Ireland and the purpose that Ireland serves from a consensus perspective specifically is to basically act as a, as a technology delivery center for, for Europe and then for the Europe, Middle East and Africa. And what I mean by that is um, Ireland is quite a small country. We have about 5 million people. Um, so it's a relatively small market. So the goal of Ireland is to basically deliver on the projects that our colleagues are working on, whether that be in Paris or whether that be in Dubai or whether that be in London. So they'll win the work and then we will support them to deliver that work for that client or consortium as the case may be. So a good example um, it would be the work we're doing on a, a company called Comgo, which is K-O-M-G-O. And you can Google it it's under comgo.io. 
And Comgo stands for Commodities Go. And effectively, it is a group of 10 banks. So the likes of Citi, BNP Paribas, Mitsubishi, um, Credit Agricole, Rabobank, ING, and Shell is another company, and, and Coke, Mercuria, and then the world's largest certification company, SGS. And basically what it does is, is uh, Comgo is a trade finance platform. It enables those companies to exchange letters of credit far cheaper uh, and far more effectively and faster than they currently do so. So to give you an example, in the early days or in phase one, there was a, tr uh, a crude oil shipment trade, which actually took three hours back in the day. Using the technology, we've got that down to 25 minutes. And also that's resulted in a 33% efficiency increase for traders. So it is significant. The, from an operations perspective, it's streamlined costs uh, by about 30%. So these entities have come together and are using this shared ledger technologies to which blockchain fundamentally is. It's a shared ledger in order to drive efficiencies, number one. And number two, it's helped them stay relevant in terms of the offering they have as trade financiers. Because they initially came together and said, our business has not changed in many, many years. And either we come together and create a new way of doing business or someone else is going to come along and disrupt the way we act and operate. So it was either disrupt or be disrupted and Congo was born. Um, so that is now, a, as I said, a legal entity. The solution is actually up and running, which is a great thing that we're really proud of. Over in six months, we went from project start right to uh, the first phase going into production on the 19th of December in 2018. And there's now more features just being continuously built out. But there are letters of credit being exchanged on that platform right now. And the majority of the development work is taking place here in Dublin. And that's a, a big part of what we do. Oh, that's great. And because I, I, one of the r interesting dynamics about the, you know, the blockchain market is that there it was distorted in 2017, 2018, early 2018, by the the rise and, and proliferation of initial coin offerings or initial token offerings. And, and a lot of them were enabled by that, by the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, the, you know, the ERC-20 standard, of, of course, is, um, really created a, a dynamic that was unique for an emerging technology. I mean, you didn't have that, you don't have that dynamic with AI, you didn't really have it with cloud computing. Um, so in a sense, it it, it somewhat distorted the uh, the expectations of you know, how quickly the industry might evolve, or you know how how soon we would we would get to uh, you know real viability and and enterprise scalability. But it sounds like you know the the period that we're now calling the crypto winter where we're <laughs> it's starting to emerge is that, that that was a period where it was a fantastic opportunity to really work on applications to get into production and and yeah would love to get your your perspective more generally on the uh on the on the perceptions of what the uh, how the expectations of the scalability of public blockchains uh, has has changed over the over the past year and a half, and and you know where you're again the uh, the areas that are that are providing real concrete proof points like Congo, um, you know are there are there are there some other areas or industries that uh, where you see similar progress? 
Sure. Um, and I, look, I, I think that ICO period, period was was a crazy period. Um, and I, there's a there's a great interview with Joe on Bloomberg where yeah. um, one of the interviewers asked, you know, Joe, do you think this is a bubble? And Joe was like, absolutely, it's a bubble. Um, so th- this is something from a consensus perspective that we were we were very aware of and that we called going, this is yep. this is not a rational market. Um, it's it's going insane, you know. Um, so I think the, there was an inevitability that things would calm down and come back down to earth, and, and they did, and perhaps with a, a bigger thud than people thought. But um, <laughs> I think we're now seeing some, so I guess, some more pragmatism in terms of the price of different cryptocurrencies because people are beginning to fundamentally look and analyze as to why are, why is the price increasing rather than just 100% pure blind speculation. Um, so that's kind of there. My my thoughts on that. In terms of um, in terms of I guess scalability and things like this. Scalability is a is a question that I used to get asked a lot and a lot more um, two to three years ago. And back then, I didn't actually have it, great answers to it. To be honest, um, I kind of used to say that look, it's a problem that's being solved, and uh, I, I'd perhaps try and fudge it a little bit. But now what I am increasingly seeing and saying and what we as a company are saying is that when our clients start looking at, you know, the, um, what they want to do, the first question we kind of ask is, you know, how many transactions are we talking about? And then we ask, well, well do you really need to be pushing through all those transactions to, to a blockchain or to a mainnet all the time? Uh, and invariably, the answer that we get uh, is that actually they don't need to be uh, I guess, uh, tracking and storing those transactions to a public blockchain all the time and that we can actually look to anchor sets of transactions periodically. Maybe that's once every four hours, maybe it's once a day. Um, so there are definitely now intelligent ways around uh, addressing the scalability issue. I think that's probably part one. Part two is what I would say to that question is also that I genuinely, I, I guess, when we look at some of the the new upgrades um, to Ethereum around Serenity and things like this, that they are addressing the scalability issues. And so, for me, this is scalability is, is not really an issue unless unless there's a you know a proprietary trading company that's coming to us and wants to undertake high frequency trading and is exploring blockchain for that solution. Um, invariably, that's that's not really a, a deal breaker for us in any way anymore. Um, in terms of kind of other sectors to so your third question, uh, that what else are we doing? I gave trade finance as a really good example because I think it's a it's an industry where letters of credit are are very paper based, they're manual. It's all about payments and invoicing uh, and actually the transport physically of those letters of credit in briefcases, believe it or not. So there's a there's a, an easy win where we're seeing the letters of credit within a trade finance area be applicable to aircraft leasing because they use lots of letters of credit so i think there's a there's another substantial win there um another big area where we are um where we've had a press release about is all around counterfeit goods so we are working with uh, LVMH which is Louis Vuitton Moe Hennessy that group um, where we are effectively tracking how goods are made to, and then right the way through from where they're made, how they're made to the consumer so that when a consumer purchases a expensive Louis Vuitton handbag uh, or, or other uh, product for that matter, 
uh, they're able and ensure that the product is actually a genuine LVMH product. And therefore, the price that the company is looking for is warranted and justified. And also, if you wanted to resell it, it's easy for you to do. No, that's track and trace uh, is a oh, big area for us. Yeah, track and trace has been. I mean, there's been a lot of discussion around uh, the use of uh, the you know, public blockchain and private blockchains as well for um, you know in the supply chain to to accelerate uh, payments and and uh, yeah, be just interested in 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 terms of the dynamics that you see have seen with you know working with some of the existing uh parties you know, particularly I mean, you know as you mentioned around congo you know what what have been some of the challenges in really articulating a new vision and starting to work to implement solutions that, that end up going into production you know when you're dealing with with businesses that have been you know, you know really doing the doing things the same way for you know for decades as it were Great question, and, and genuinely great question. What I mean by that is, Comgo is a, is a really super example of this. So Comgo did not come about by me with a pitch deck going into Society Generale in Geneva and meeting their managing director of trade finance. It came about because the lady Suleyma Badi created her own bur burning platform where she got her peers together from that trade finance ecosystem in Geneva and in London and explained that if they don't change, they're going to become irrelevant. So the burning platform came from that group of clients. They then ran a, a hackathon, a competitive hackathon. So there were uh, other technology companies involved and so forth and other consulting firms. Um, and the list was whittled down from 10 to 6 to 2. And eventually, Consensus was selected as the technology partner in order to build the, the Comgo um, trade finance platform. And that was, and I think that's a really good example as to where consumer, uh, sorry, um, businesses are coming together and they're def defining what the business problem is and what the best solution is. And then they're reaching out to the technology providers in that space as to who they can partner with in order to create that solution. That's one. Two, another good example is in the soft commodity space. So Comgo is all about the exchange, um, the trade financing of, um, I guess, hard commodities such as oil, gas, scrap metal. But a group of soft commodity players have come together um, and they're undergoing a similar process uh, whereby they're going through a, a hackathon and so forth. So that's another great example where companies have come together and they're, they've, they're creating their own burning platform rather than me trying to, I guess, shove blockchain down somebody's throat for want of a better term. Um, and we're increasingly seeing this, companies coming to us because, especially financial service institutions, because they've been looking at blockchains for the last three or four years. So they're educated, they're motivated, um, and they have a vision. Um, I, and I think what we're seeing now is other sectors are where financial services companies were maybe two years ago. So if, if I ask you to put on your strategy hat, since you, know, you have a background in strategy, to, you know, to what extent is it, do, do, is it valuable or is it necessary to have a company like Consensus, for instance, really showing the way for for you know companies that are you know in industries that may may or may not have you know contemplated uh, you know upgrading their systems or modernizing their systems. I mean, we do talk about digital transformation a lot on the on these podcasts, but I'd love to get a sense of where 
how your strategy background informs, you know, some of the uh, evangelization work uh, that you do, and and really, you know, <laughs> how much of that is 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 still uh, necessary to you know to kick off projects, and and you know how much of what the work you're doing right now is is really just you know just executing and, and rolling your sleeves up and getting getting your hands dirty. Sure. Uh, look, I, I've been in the kind of blockchain space for the last five years, and I have given I don't know it's probably over two hundred. Um, introductory sessions or blockchain one-on-ones to companies all around the world. Um, and it has been a pleasure to do so. And believe it or not, I still, still get a kick out of it, right? What I do think is that we have seen different levels of maturity based on different sectors and industries. So I mentioned financial services. They were probably, the, to use a term, first up and best dressed. So they got to understand the technology quite early on and experiment with the technology quite early on and are quite far along in their journey. You can look at Goldman Sachs's website. You can look at JP Morgan having their own blockchain as an example of this. Um, and, and Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, the amount of patents they have with the technology. It is, they are all very mature in their blockchain journeys and have great people working on their teams. Um, but effectively, what we're seeing in other industries and sectors is that they are where certain banks were you know, maybe two or even three years ago. So there's that kind of maturity continuum. What my job is, a consensus on what our job is, is to how best we can help our clients along that journey, depending where they're at. So from awareness and education to explaining to them what it is, what it does, what it can do, and what it, what others are doing in their industry um, and what their competitors are doing. And then we can kind of have some high-level discussion on some potential use cases um, right the way through to where we are actually um, we are executing and implementing a production solution, much like Congo and, and others. So there is a, a whole kind of, I guess, range or spectrum as to where folks are on that, uh, on that spectrum. The, the reality is, is that I try and explain blockchain uh, without using the term blockchain as much as possible to make it easy and accessible for everybody and, and not use any terminology which is, you know, complicated so that everybody comes away having a good understanding. That's kind of an objective number one of mine. And number two, it's to get to the applications that are relevant to their business or businesses so that they can start to see and, and I can even start to see in their faces and in their heads the ideas that they start coming up with as to where the technology will make sense. Um, that is, that's the goal. So we need to, and from a consensus perspective, our job is all about how do we focus on how we create value, how we create new products, and how we save money, if not all of the above. Um, so we start with the business pieces first, um, and then the technology and the blockchain piece becomes an enabler to facilitate the creation of those new products or creating new better and customer experiences. That's what the technology is all about. Is there a difference in the, from your perspective in the uh, rate of adoption or uh, I would even say the understanding of, of, uh, of the, you know, the potential between the regions, as you as you look at Europe, can you is 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 there any way you could compare and contrast what's going on in the U.S. with you know with what you're seeing in Europe, particularly when you overlay some of the uh, differences in regulatory structures and and uncertainty that that are particularly uh, apparent in the U.S. 
Yeah, and look, I think it's interesting, and I think there are elements within Europe that are ahead of the U.S., and I think there's elements in the U.S. that are ahead of Europe, and it's um, it, it is not a straightforward answer. I think what we have from a um, a European Commission perspective, for example, is that they are quite clear on their stance around blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies. And then whatever the European Commission and the European Central Bank come out with and say, all the members of the Eurozone have to follow suit. So what you get then is, I guess, um, a bunch of countries following the same rules. As opposed to what happens in the US, is obviously you guys have a quite a, I guess, more of a federated system based on state laws. So there are differences based on that. So we're seeing Wyoming um, being incredibly progressive when it comes to blockchain technology and the adoption of blockchain technology in comparison to some other states. Um, one piece of work that we are doing in this space from a consensus perspective is that consensus is the European Commission's partner, strategic partner, um, on an initiative called the EU Blockchain Observatory and Forum. And the purpose and the three deliverables that we have with that project are to, one, is to increase knowledge and awareness around blockchain technology across the Eurozone, so all the, the different members, the 27 different members, number one. Number two, it's to basically inform policy um, around how blockchain technology, um, I guess, will impact society. And therefore, um, if new policies to be created, it's to have blockchain in mind. And also to the extent where existing policy may have to be updated or changed in light of blockchain technology. Um, and then the third is to identify applications or use cases of the technology, which can be rolled out in a harmonious way across the Eurozone. So to those 27 member states. Um, so that, that's a big project that we've been working on for over, it's a two-year gig. We've been working on it for over a year. And they are some of the things that are taking place. So to go back to, to your question initially, I think the, 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 the ECB Eurozone structure lends itself to creating, I guess, um, more folks falling in line faster. Um, do I think we're more progressive over here than in the U.S.? Um, I think I don't think that's fair to say. Um, I think there are a number of cool things that I mentioned from a Wyoming and a public records perspective. I think there's great stuff happening there. I think the SEC and the CFTC um, have a actually have quite a progressive approach. Um, CFTC in particular, I spent time with some of those folks last year, and they have a very forward-leaning uh, approach to blockchain technology. And actually, the, the head of CFTC was just in Dublin last week meeting with our Department of Finance to discuss innovation. Um, I do think where we're going to see people get ahead is if we look at Dubai. The city of Dubai is committed to having all public records on blockchain technology by 2021. That's actually another project that we're working on from a consensus standpoint. Um, and then we go further east and we look at Hong Kong and we look at Singapore, where they have that kind of twin brother rivalry. But Singapore, when, when they put something in between their crosshairs, they get it done, they get it done very quickly, and it's normally done well. So for me, I think we're going to see countries uh, and or city-states um, such as Dubai and uh, Singapore actually increasing and, and um, them leading the way, perhaps Europe being close behind, uh, and then the US. But um we shall see. We ha Europe has its own challenges with Brexit at the moment, so um, we have a we have a few things going on here right now. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's never boring, as they say. Um, <laughs> I'd like to just touch on 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 one final question on uh, on Ethereum 
because you know consensus is so t- closely t- uh, tied to Ethereum. You know, we are, we do live in a in a dynamic environment, and there there are new uh, projects and and blockchains that are emerging all the time. And would love to get a sense of what your you know what what is really the, your goal for the the work that you're doing around Ethereum, and and you know how do you how do you look at the you know the the alternatives or the or the or the comp, you know competitive projects that emerge, and and ultimately what you know what is the what is your vision for uh you know, for advancing the the technology and the adoption uh, around Ethereum and 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 the ecosystem over the next several years? Sure, I, I, it's an interesting one. Joe Lubin's vision on this um, has always been pretty amazing to me, to be honest, and one of the reasons why I joined, and that is his goal was to um, build a big ecosystem. His view is um, the killer app for blockchain and for Ethereum is a killer ecosystem. Um, and I think he's done a pretty amazing job at doing that. The Ethereum community has 30 times, so that's 30x, um, 30 times the, uh, the size of the next um, biggest blockchain community out there, which is a really big deal. Um, and I, that's, a, that's a very big and bold statement and do your own research, but that is actually the case. So what's happening is we have the, we have the most amount of developers developing decentralized applications on the Ethereum blockchain for a whole host of things, whether it's from gaming to supply chain that we mentioned to banking, to, to media, um, et cetera. The list is endless. So I think that's a, that's a big part of the, the Ethereum play and the consensus play and also Joe's vision. Um, in terms of from a consensus perspective and, a, and an Ireland perspective, what, what we continue to do is we're, we're winning more and more projects, more and more mandates from our clients to build solutions for them. Um, or to help them integrate our products into their business so that they can help make their um, so that they can help stay relevant, so that they can disintermediate their competition, um, and how they can effectively automate a pile of work. Like one of the key things around this is if we look at a big part of, especially large businesses, they have teams and hundreds of people doing reconciliation work. And we and I firmly believe, and we as consensus believe, that work will be automated through the use of blockchain technology and smart contracts and, and through consensus algorithms and so that work will become far more automated and people will end up doing much higher value work. Uh, and consensus and our products will be at the core of those solutions. And so we're our team, uh, certainly from a product delivery perspective um, and project implementation perspective here in Dublin has grown from one person, me, a year ago and almost to the day. And now there's actually 42 of us. And the reason for there being 42 people is based on client demand. I'm just giving you I'm just giving you one example in one country. But there are hard facts and data to our growth Um, and all our people. All our people. I'm probably only the. I'm probably the sore thumb. I'm the only person who's not working on a live project right now. Oh wow! That no, that's uh, those are some th- those are some really exponential 
uh, numbers there that, uh, you know, when I, I, my, my ears always perk up when I hear, uh, a growth curve like that. And it, it, it's, it's gotta be really a lot of fun to be, uh, to be in the middle of that. Um, I, I just, you know, I'd like to ask a broader question about what you're optimistic about as you look forward. I mean, being in the middle of this incredibly, uh, dynamic and innovative industry, uh, you know, what, you know what are what are some of the things that that make you most uh, most hopeful for the future and and are there some concerns or or considerations that that, that keep you up at night sure um so what do i say on this one i think for me the mega trend within blockchain technology at the moment of what i'm excited about is how we move from physical assets to digital assets um and how we move from illiquid assets to liquid assets and effectively, this is through this whole thing for, for your listeners, uh, a thing called tokenization. Um, so how do we basically make a, make a building? How do we turn it into tokens? And then how are those tokens effectively sold or made available, not just to institutional investors, but also to even to retail investors? And this has already taken place. So there was a building in New York which was tokenized, a, a property, um, and then made accessible to a whole pile of people that wouldn't have had access to make an investment in that uh, building other, before. So we are seeing, and this is, a, this is a beautiful part of the technology, where it democratizes assets. So if I want to purchase a plane right now, I'm, you know, one day, hopefully, um, I, for me, buying a plane of $40 million is a lot of money and I cannot afford that. Um, but I'd love to understand how I can buy part of a plane so I can get some of the upside to it as to how it generates revenue. Um, and I think this whole area of tokenization is going to be a significant part of blockchain's future. Um, in, and also in the, in the not so distant future, this is one for the medium term and I don't, it's not one for the long term. We, we've had, we had a client come into us here in Dublin where he came in and said, look, I've been looking at three different technologies over the last year, AI, VR, and blockchain, and I think blockchain is going to change the world. And he wants to develop a, a tokenization platform um, and wants our help to do it. So this is something where it's another good example where I guess the, a client is picking up the phone to us rather than kind of me wearing shoe leather out. Um, what am I, what, what's keeping me up at night? Um, what do I say on this? Uh, to be honest, I look. I, I sleep pretty well, so I, I, I'm not that worried. <laughs> but um, I look. At, what I think it's important is that is that con countries, and this is where the countries see the opportunity in this. You know, and one of the reasons why the European Commission is so interested in the technology is because it sees it bringing an awful lot of benefit and value. So, from for me and an Irish perspective. Um, what I want Ireland to do is to look at the technology, see the opportunity behind it, and how we as a country can embrace the technology, um, and how, how, how I guess we can capitalize on it. So how we can attract businesses to set up here, and how that can create jobs around the technology here. So without kind of a shameless plug, um, I'm the, the founder of an initiative, a government-backed initiative here in Ireland called Blockchain Ireland, which has two simple goals. One, to make Ireland a global blockchain hub, and two, to help create jobs around blockchain in, in, the, in the blockchain sector. Well, as a as a McGuire uh, whose family originally came from Fermanagh, uh, I'm I'm very happy to see that. So absolutely, uh, I, yeah, it's. Uh, 
Um, I, I'm excited about the potential for the uh, uh, for for blockchain in Ireland, and and happy to happy to see all this all, all the successes uh, that that that's that's possible. Uh, well, listen, this, this has been a this has been a really fascinating conversation. Um, I always like to close with a with a question about a a book or resource that you might uh, you might be able to recommend uh, for you know for our listeners, and it doesn't doesn't have to be tech or blockchain related, but something that you would you would share with uh, you know, with 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 a colleague or, or a friend. Sure. I'll, I, look, I'll um, I'll see your one and raise you. Uh, so I'll be very quick. But I looked the the Truth Machine um, by I think the author's name is Casey. Which oh is yeah. A- yeah. It's a great book on blockchain, which is accessible to everybody. Sometimes people are put off by mm-hmm. blockchain and, and kind of give up before they even get a, get, an under, uh, get an understanding of it. That is a great book, and it breaks it down for everybody. So that's number one. That's number a two, great recommendation, yeah. Number two, um, I think the best book I've, I've read from a business perspective is uh, Influence by Chialdini, if I'm pronouncing oh, his. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I love that book. I think from a business perspective that if, if you were to only ever read one business book, I think that's probably it. And it's all around, I guess, how, how you deal with people, how you communicate, also how you convince people. Um, and then a third book on kind of business and life, I think, which I recently read is a book called Principles by Ray Dalio. Um, so they are my three books. Those are, those are fantastic recommendations. And I, I have to say, I've, I, uh, I think I've, I, I have read them all, but nobody else has recommended them on our podcast. So this oh, will be okay. a, a great chance to get them in front of, uh, in front of people. And, and I, I, uh, uh, I think those are, those are terrific, uh, terrific, uh, you know, terrific recommendations. So we always like to do that. Cause it's like, you know, you, um, you know, that the books, good ideas come from books and it's, it's so enriching to be able to continue, uh, self-educate so. absolutely anyway uh just to, to to wrap things up here uh again uh we've been speaking with with laura kehoe who's the managing director of consensus uh in ireland uh i'm ed mcguire insights partner at momentum partners and and laurie thank you so much for taking the time it was fascinating and really exciting and 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 wishing you the the best of, of success with uh with consensus and all of your projects in ireland My pleasure. Thank you very much for the opportunity and thanks everybody for listening. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner at Momentum Partners, and we thank you for listening to our Digital Disruptor series of interviews. For further information, please check the show notes as well as our website for more information on the innovations and innovators profiled here. And as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions.